There's this joy and there's this peace that's, that's in his kingdom. When he rules and reigns and we're submitted to him, he brings those things to us. And then the week after that, well, one of the, one of the things the Lord did was um, spoke to me and to even give a word of a prophetic word about some of the things that God's going to be doing in our city and some of the things that are going to take place, like there's going to be um, healing rooms and there's going to be um, a school that will reach out and touch this region where people will go out and minister in the name of Jesus and healing and deliverance and those things. And so as I made my way to the back of the church, I was just standing back there and instantly I started coming up with all the reasons why it was going to be hard to do the thing that God just spoke through me. And I began to do this and I heard the Lord say, no limitations, no limitations. And so that's what I spoke on last week is that God wants us to believe him. God wants us to believe the word of God and the things that he says that he will bring them about in our lives because that's what faith is about. That's what trust is in the Lord, to believe the things he says and not put limitations on him. Yeah, Lord, you can do that for someone else, but not for me. Yeah, Lord, my situation is so different than everyone else's. It just You just can't do the same thing that you've done for another person. But to have no limitations to say, God, this is what you desire in my life, and I want that. I want to press into that. I want to receive everything that you have and everything that you want me to have. And so we're going to continue our understanding of the kingdom with some words that Jesus says, and you can see what they are. And we're going to go to this verse in in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and that'll be the main portion of what we're doing. And we'll look at some other scripture too, but Jesus said this. It's, well, let's get to what he the background, and then what he says. Verse 14, it says, Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. The gospel means good news. He's preaching the good news of God, the good news that God wants to have proclaimed, that he wants to have heaven on earth. He wants to have his life working in the lives of people. And we can see this. Jesus begins preaching this. And he was saying, now these are the words of Jesus. And it says this, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe what God says. And so he's asking us to do this. So let's, let's walk through that verse a little bit. It says, the time is now fulfilled. Some of you guys might like to know this. This is the word kairos for time because that's a, that's a time, it's a special time where, where it's marked by specific attributes or activities where God's moving in a certain way. And so there was a time where everyone was looking for the Messiah. They were looking for him to come. And he says, now the time is fulfilled. It's here, it's right now. I basically, he's proclaiming that he is the Messiah. The time is fulfilled. I'm coming here and I'm proclaiming to you the good news. And we'll see that in a minute as Jesus explains what his ministry is. But he says this, the time is fulfilled. It's a kairos time. It's a time for the kingdom of God to be at hand. He says the kingdom of God is here. It's now. It's right here. And I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to 
express it to you. You're going to see it with your own eyes. You're going to hear it with your own ears. You're going to actually participate in it because everywhere Jesus went, he brought about the kingdom of God. He brought about the rule of God. And so when we see Jesus ministering to people, no matter where he is, he's bringing the kingdom rule of God. He's proclaiming the good news. He's doing these things to to bring life and to bring healing and to bring the wholeness of God. The kingdom of God is here. And so then he says something, repent and believe. Now, I don't know. I think repentance is, repent is, is one of the great words of the scripture because it means to change your mind and to change your actions and your attitudes. There, it's, it's, a, it's a word of, of life. It's a word of the kingdom. And so Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. And so let's look at this. In the English thought, the idea of repentance just means to feel remorse. Oh, I feel bad. I did this. I feel bad. And that's really not the biblical understanding of this word. You see, one of the things that we it's so easy for us to do is to take the concept of the word that's how we use it in our normal culture and to put it onto the Bible. And so repentance is, oh, I feel bad, I'm terrible, oh, I'm, I feel terrible, rotten, oh, I feel bad for all the things I've done. When repentance, when I was doing the study on this, what the idea of repentance is, it's metanao is, is, the, is the word, and it means, meta means after, and then nuos means mind. So the idea is changing your mind after you hear or see something. Changing your mind, coming into agreement with God. See, repentance is a good word, and it always involves a change for the better. So repentance isn't us feeling sad and sorrowful. Now, there can be feelings of sadness and sorrow, but that's not the focal point of the word. The idea is that we have our mind changed. We're transformed. We're made new. It's a good word. It's some bringing us into something that's full of life and full of abundance. And I think when Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, I think this is what he's saying. He says, I'm here. Believe. When you see me do the things I do, believe. Believe that God has this for you. Believe that God wants this for you. Believe that the kingdom power of God is here and it's available and it's now. It's not for the future. It's for here. It's for right now. It's for today. And so he would begin to do the things that he, that he did. But Jesus is trying to reveal life as God intends it to be. And so when you see him do all these miracles and wonders and signs and the teaching and all the things that he did and, and accomplished, then what we're seeing is the heart of God. Because he says, if when you see me do something, it's God doing it. It's the heart of the Father. I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. And so he says, change your mind. See what's taking place and line up with the truth. Line up with what I have for you because the kingdom of God is here. It's here. Now there's another passage of scripture that Jesus goes and he describes his ministry. He says what he wants to do. And what he came to do. 
Now we have to understand this is in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. But it says this. Well, let's do this. This passage of Scripture that he's actually reading is from Isaiah chapter 61. And all throughout the time after Isaiah, this is what they called a messianic psalm or messianic uh, scripture. This was what was going to take place when the Messiah came. When he came to rule and reign, he was going to bring the kingdom in. He was going to bring the power of God in. He was going to establish God's rule and reign. And so this was a messianic thing. That's, that's what they were thinking. And so when Jesus takes the scroll, he finds the place where this passage is. He reads it and says, Today this is fulfilled in your sight. Can you imagine the people's minds? Their, their brains are being blown out because they go, well, aren't, aren't, aren't you Jesus? <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you the carpenter's son? Isn't, isn't Joseph your dad? Who do you think you are? Well, he knew who he was because he was the Messiah. He was the coming one. But here's what he did. He read Isaiah 61, and we call it Luke 4.18 because that's where, <laughs> that's where it's at. But he said this, so Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You remember the word Messiah means anointed, right? And there's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we saw that what took place when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came, and, and do you remember what what John the Baptist said. He said, God told me that when I see the Spirit descend as a dove and remain on him, that's the one. This is the one I'm proclaiming. This is the one I came to speak for. The Messiah's coming. Get ready. Get your hearts ready. He's coming. And so there was this uh, truth of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. So he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. See, that idea behind the poor is, is bankrupt. He's, Jesus has come to preach the gospel to those who know they're spiritually bankrupt, that they have nothing to offer God as far as salvation goes. They know that they're in need. They know that they need a Savior. And Jesus said, you know, I didn't come... I didn't come for those who are well. I came for those who are sick. I didn't come for those who are righteous in their own righteousness. I've come for those who recognize their need for a Savior. And he began to preach and proclaim the gospel that people could be saved. And he says, you know, talking to Nicodemus, don't you know, Nicodemus, that you must be born again and enter into the kingdom of God. To enter into the kingdom means we must be born again. And there's a change that takes place in our heart where God takes us from death into life. He takes us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. We're pulled out of the power of the enemy and we're brought into a new relationship with God. There's something powerful about that. He's saying, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. Do you know what's so interesting about that is that the majority of the people that the religious folks of the day said, wow, these guys are terrible, rotten, dirty, rotten sinners. That's who Jesus came for. Came to save us. Came to save us. To 
call us out of darkness into the light. And it's a wonderful thing. Then it says that he, he's come to, he sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Now that word captives isn't someone who's just like in jail or held. It's someone who's a prisoner of war, held against their will. It's someone who's in, in a concentration camp. In the middle of the war, they were captured, and now they're there, and they're sitting there, and they're against their will, and, and they're forced to be there because of, of what, what's taken place in this war. But Jesus came to overpower the work of the enemy and to bring people out of captivity, to save us out of, like I said, the darkness and bring us into his kingdom. He took us forcefully out of the kingdom of darkness and set us in the kingdom of his beloved son. And so Jesus came to proclaim this, that you don't have to remain captive. You don't have to remain captive to sin. You don't have to remain captive to Satan. Because that's what the scripture talks about. Like in the book of Romans, it talks about we're no longer slaves to sin. We sing that song quite a bit. We're no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God where God comes in his power and delivers us out of the hands of the enemy. We're not to be bound by sin. We're not to be bound by Satan. And Jesus came to bring this ministry, and you see him doing it time and time again. It says, He came that I might bring recovery of sight to the blind, you know a lot of folks say, oh yeah, it's, just, it's spiritual blindness, but I think it's healing. He came to bring healing because it's the blind need their eyes open. The blind need to see those whose eyes are, are damaged and those things. And we see Jesus moving in healing and power. We see him re, you know, just releasing life and abundance to people because that's part of the kingdom of God. That's part of the rule of God. You know, when Jesus said to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why he healed the sick, because there's no sickness or disease in heaven. That's why he heals the brokenhearted, because there's no brokenhearted in heaven. There is life there. There's abundance there. There's wholeness there. And so he comes and he wants to work these things in our hearts and bring the rule of God into our lives in every aspect of who we are. It says he's come to set free those who are oppressed. That word oppressed means those who are crushed down, those who are crushed under, those who feel the weight of the world upon himself and just feel like they're smashed. He's come to bring healing and restoration and wholeness. This is what he's saying. This is why I have come. This is fulfilled in your midst today because the kingdom of God is here to, to perform it, to bring it about. And then he said this, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, the favorable year of the Lord is Jubilee, the year of Jubilee. Have you ever heard of that? So what they would do every seven years, they would have, have a thing where they would have um, a year where they didn't plant anything, they didn't do anything, they rested and they just kind of relaxed and stopped from that. And, and God said he would give them a double portion to take care of their needs. And they rested the land and they rested themselves. They rested their animals from all the stuff that they had to do with the harvest and all of those kind of things. 
But once every 50 years, they had what they called the year of Jubilee, and it was a special time. You see, God, on the year of Jubilee, freed slaves. Every slave was freed. Now, this, their slavery is slightly different than our slavery, because it talks about it in the Scripture, is that if someone, you know, like they ran out of money, didn't have any money to do, they could make themselves a, a slave to a person. But the person couldn't keep them for the rest of their life. Could not do that. They would be released. And so there was this concept of, of bringing freedom. The year of Jubilee is a year of freedom from slavery, to be freed from that and released from that. And there was another thing, too, is that property was restored. Let's say someone just lost their property. Remember, one of the things for the Jews was that the land was important, and God gave each each of the children of Israel portion in the land. So the land was theirs. It was their inheritance. And so sometimes people would, because of circumstance, situations, whatever took place, they would... They wouldn't be able to to take care of their land, and maybe they had to sell themselves into slavery to work for someone else to be cared for so they would have food and those kind of things. But their land would go over to someone else to pay their debts or something like this. But on the year of Jubilee, it was released. It was released because that was part of the promise. It's part of the promise. And then there was also debts were canceled. That's an interesting one. Wouldn't that be a wahoo year of Jubilee if all your debts, everyone's in America, were just instantly forgiven? All gone. That'd be different. But that's what it's talking about. Your debts are canceled. The year of Jubilee. This is the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus says, I'm here. The kingdom of God is here. So let it manifest in your life. Let it come about. And then what they would do also that year would be they would leave the land fallow. They wouldn't plow. They wouldn't plant. They wouldn't do anything. They'd trust the Lord. They'd just rest. They'd rest and trust in the Lord. So he says, Jesus says, I want you to repent and I want you to believe So let's talk about this concept of repentance because remember, repentance is a good thing. Repentance is a healthy thing. It's something that Jesus asks us to do. He's not just talking about, you know, it's this this idea of repentance isn't just necessarily, oh, you know, you're a sinner, just totally repent. We're constantly repenting because we're constantly having our mind changed. So, for example, Romans chapter 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every time the Lord shows us something and we step into it and we agree with it and we start walking it out, that means that we're repenting. Our mind's being changed. It's being aligned with God, set up with what he says is true, and we're beginning to walk in it. We're beginning to believe it. We're beginning to put it into practice So this idea of repentance is a lifelong journey that every single one of us as believers, of course we have to repent to believe in Christ, to come to him initially, but there's a constant repentance of saying, God, I agree with you. I've been seeing things this way, but now I see it your way. I've been living this way, but now I want to live your way. I've 
walking this out in the wrong way, trying to, to do it on my own strength and my own ability, but now I see your way and I want your power in my life. That's repentance. And there's something up here it should say, to change one's life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitudes in regards to sin and righteousness. See, it's not just the negative aspect. It's talking about sin, but it's also talking about righteousness. We have our mind changed from doing things in ways that have been destructive in our lives. Have you ever noticed that we have some destructive patterns in our lives that we have? It's because we're not doing it God's way. It, we bring destruction on ourselves, And so, so part of God's grace towards us is he shows us how we're depending on something else rather than him, where we're trying to, to feed our needs or feed the things in our lives some way outside of God's way of meeting them because they always bring destruction. They always bring death. But God's going to show us as far as sin is, but also as far as righteousness. He's going to show us the way. He's going to show us how to walk in them and how to fulfill the purpose that God has in his life. He wants to pour his blessings out on us. Just been recently writing about Adam and Eve here on, on the blog that I have going. And one of the things Adam and Eve tried to gain the knowledge of good and evil apart from God. They decided that they would do it their way. God said, don't eat of the tree. And said, well, hey, it looks good to me. This is really good. It's going to make me wise. I'm going to understand things, so I'm just going to do it. God has a way that brings life, and that way brought death. So God wants us to prosper. It says that when he called Adam and Eve, he says, I want you to prosper. I want you to grow. I want you to increase. I want you to fill the world and subdue it. I want to give you authority and power over all the earth. I want to see you expand and grow and increase under, under my watchful care. I want to see you blessed. And he gave them a path to do that, but they chose a different path. God will always show us the truth. But we have to believe. It says repent and believe. So repentance means I have a change of my whole thought process that actually changes the way I act. There's another slide up there. It says the total change both of thought and behavior. See, repentance isn't just a mental thing. Oh yeah, that's not good. And then we just continue in it. It means that we have a, a change both thought and behavior with respect of how one should think and act. There's a change that takes place, not only in our mind, but in our heart, where we're now going to step into the things that God wants us to do. It has to have a change. We can't remain doing the same things we've always done and expect different results. If we want God's results, we have to have God's way. That last song that we sang, so much better is your way. So much better is your way. Because many times, the things that we have in our own lives, they don't help. They only hinder. And so God shows us. He shows us his ways. And then he says, change your mind. Come into alignment with me. My own personal belief is that 
one of the key things to a life of victory in Jesus Christ is to have our minds renewed. We have to see things as God sees them. Because when we see them our way, our, our vision's clouded. Boy, this is, this is so true too. Many times, many times our vision is clouded by emotions. Many times our vision is, is clouded by our own perception. That's this limitations that, that we place on God and even on ourselves. We limit what God can do because we don't believe what God says. We don't believe what he said. So Jesus says, repent, come into alignment with the truth that I have and believe it and step out and begin to experience the life that I have. And so many of the things that Jesus talks about, many of the things that the word of God says is counterintuitive. It's totally opposite of the ways of the world. You know, the world that we've grown up in, it's, God's ways are totally different. <laughs> they just are. And, you know, I think we, a couple weeks ago, I just went through a list of words, and instantly you could tell which one was from the kingdom of darkness and which one was from God's kingdom. It was so easy because one set of actions are not the life of God, and the other exhibit the life of God and show forth the life of God. We went through those wonderful lists. But God wants us to to press into the things that he has for us. He wants us to believe. He wants us to repent and believe. So I got a few things that I want to mention. A few things that the Lord wants us to believe. So the first one, he wants us to believe in his salvation. You know, the scripture says there's salvation in no one else. No one else but Jesus. There's only him. Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father. I am the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He wants us to believe in his salvation. He wants us to believe he's Savior. Well, what's one of the struggles that some people have? Well, am I really saved? Do I really the Lord? Am I, am, I really, am, I, am I really covered? Oh, I just, I just don't feel saved. I just don't, I just don't feel like, like I'm, I'm truly uh, safe and secure. I, I'm, I'm feeling fear. I, I feel all these things. And we go more by our feelings than by what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God says that when we come to Jesus Christ, when we put our trust in Him, that He will save us. He will watch over us. He will cleanse us from sin. He will free us and release us. He will do the things He said. But so, so often we can go and have feelings that I, I just don't feel saved. Well, we need to repent and come into alignment with what God says. If I'm following Jesus, then he's my Savior. If I'm trusting in him for salvation, then he will save me. There's a struggle that can go on. But God wants us to repent and believe and be secure in the salvation of God. He wants us to understand who we are in him. He wants us to be secure in who we are in our standing with God. I just think about this. You know, the Bible has just 
lists of things that Scripture says who we are in Christ. And sometimes we don't way, but we go by our feelings rather than by the truth. That's why God wants us to get our minds renewed. So, for example, one of the things the Scripture says is that we're sons and daughters of God. Well, I really don't feel like a son. I, I can remember this. I, can't, I think it was uh, John Bevere. Maybe it was someone else because sometimes I get things messed up. But I think uh, he got married and he was looking at his wife and he just says, you know what, I just don't feel like I'm married. And she goes, well, you better get over it. <laughs> because you are. And, uh, you know, so sometimes we just go by our feelings rather than by the word of God and the things that God has said. And he wants us to, to, to repent and to believe, to believe what he said. Repent and believe the gospel that God has made you part of his family, that God has adopted you in the family. He has made you his own, that you are his inheritance. There's another one that we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. That's what it says in Romans chapter 6. You are no longer slaves to sin because we're not under the law. We're under grace. We have empowering grace by God to no longer be a slave to sin, to no longer allow sin to be in our bodies. And it actually says that, no longer let sin reign in your body. Oh, but I've, I've got these pulls and, and these, these things that's so strong, it's so powerful. But God wants us to understand that he's the deliverer and that he is the power. How long? does it take how long does it take three months six months nine months four years five years ten years before I'm going to be set free before I'm going to be delivered God wants us to come to him and be delivered now that doesn't mean we're not struggling with stuff and we're not fighting through stuff but there's this thing I've and I've I've heard this too over and over again and I've even talked to people that, that for, for some reason, put off the healing that God wants to do. Put off obedience to God. Put off being healed into the future. Everything's always in the future. I had one person that I was talking to. This was years ago. And they were telling me their, you know, some of the problems that they were having. And, and I thought, man, this just happened to you. This event just happened to you. Man, that would be, you know, it, it, it would be hurtful. It would be painful. I understand that. And there's a, there is a process of grieving and all those kind of things. But this person, this happened like 20-some years ago. And they're still feeling like it's today. This just happened. And living and reliving the pain. And my question is, how long? Do you have to go another five years before Jesus can heal you? Do you have to go another ten years? Jesus wants us to come to him. Those who were seeking Jesus to heal them weren't seeking for him to heal them in the future. Here they were looking, now, now's the day of salvation. Now is the day of your power. Today, right here, right now. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. His power is available right now. And if you can be delivered tomorrow, why not today? Why not? 
to just believe. You say, well, that's easy. <laughs> I know it's easy to say, but isn't that what it's all about? Jesus is calling us. Change your thinking, line up with what I say, and believe me. And then things can begin to change. Now, does everything change in, in one second and you're totally healed and delivered? It's never that way. But how long do we have? When, is, when are we going to be healed? When will we be made whole in an area? The Lord wants us to come to him because he is our healer. He wants us to believe that we have power and authority over the devil. That you actually have power and authority. It's Jesus who came to his disciples. Not only them, but it also talks about everyone in the book of Mark. He who believes will cast out demons. They'll heal the sick. They'll speak with other tongues. He says these things in the scripture. We have authority over the enemy. We have power over him. And we can stand in the authority of Jesus. And we can resist the works of the devil. Now, does that mean that we never are tempted, we're never tested, that the enemy never comes against us? Of course not. Even Jesus was absolutely perfect. And the devil tempted him. But Jesus met him every time. This is what God's word says. Hey, turn that stone into bread. Thou shalt live, live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm not doing this unless the Father shows me. He had an answer. He had an answer for everything. Because his mind didn't need to be renewed. His mind didn't have to be transformed. Ours does. God, what's your plan in this? What's your out? You know, it says that, that, that every one of us have been tempted in like manners. But God always makes a way of escape. That's what the scripture says. But sometimes we don't believe it. Oh, I just couldn't help it. I had to. No, God makes a way of escape. And helps us. And empowers us. He doesn't leave us alone. God wants you to believe that we have the power through Jesus Christ to heal the sick. And we've been seeing more and more of that because we're pursuing it. We're actually actually starting to believe. And I think the expectation in our midst is raising up. It's, it's rising up and, and we're believing and we're praying and we're asking for God to bring healing. And so we're seeing more of it. We're seeing more people healed. And he wants us to believe, repent and believe. Because remember, Jesus said, I came to do these things. I came to preach the gospel of the poor, release of the captives, recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This is what I'm here. This is what the kingdom is about. Believe that Jesus Christ can heal your broken heart. Believe that Jesus Christ can heal your broken heart. You know, this person that I talked to, they said, well, <sighs> you know, when, when I say it like 20 years ago, you just don't know how much it hurts. Well, yeah, 
It hurts. But Jesus heals the brokenhearted. We have to give that pain to him. We have to release it to him. We have to give it up and say, Lord, I give you this pain and express it to him. I give you this this pain of, of just being rejected. I give you the pain of of whatever feelings or emotions that we're experiencing, because every situation is different. I give you these things, and I ask you to heal my broken heart. Jesus is the healer. He heals our bodies. He heals our mind. He heals our souls. He heals. He restores us. He makes us whole. Do you remember, I don't remember all the details, but I remember there was this, in Amish land, there was murders that took place. And almost immediately, the people said, we forgive the person who did this. And people made fun of it. Some people made fun of it because they couldn't understand how can you how can you forgive murders how can you forgive someone who's done such a terrible thing they said the lord wants us to be a forgiving people and we choose to forgive we choose to forgive and that heals your broken heart God works. You still have the loss. You still have the things. He wants to release us from a slave mentality. You know what a slave mentality is, don't you? I think both sons in the, in the, in the parable of the prodigal son are, have slave mentalities. The one said, hey, I'm... I'll go back to my dad. You know, he, he rebelled. He took all of his stuff, squandered everything. It says on riotous living, and he did all this stuff. And then he says, I'll just go back, and I'll be my dad's servant. I'll just be a slave. I won't be a son anymore. I'll just come, and I'll be a slave. God wants us to get rid of that, because what's the point of the parable? The point of the parable is the father comes back, and he takes he takes the robe, he puts a ring on him, which stands for his authority and his rule as, as, um, as, a, uh, as the father. He, he throws a big party because he's celebrating. He says, my son was lost, but now he's found. And then the other sons, he's mad and he's just sitting there. I've served you all these years. You don't even give me a calf. Both of them had a slave mentality. I'm just serving you. I'm doing everything you're asking me to do, and you're not giving me anything. And he goes, you had everything that is mine. It's all yours. There's that mentality where he wants us to understand that we're sons and daughters and that we can rise up and that we don't, we're not just slaves to God but we're his friends he wants us to have our property restored he wants us to have our debts canceled because Jesus paid the price the price has been paid and he wants us to enter into his rest he really does 
What does it mean to enter into his rest? Well, I'm never going to do anything again. No, that's not the idea of rest. Rest means we're resting in what God has done. We're not striving. We're not striving so God will love us. We understand we're already loved, and we can rest in that. Every time I think of the word rest, I think of what Paul says, and I'm sure maybe some of you did. Wait, Paul says, I strive! That's not for his salvation. He's saying, I'm striving for the high call of God. I'm striving to become everything that he's called me to do. I'm striving to follow him and to believe him and trust him and step out and do the things that he has has for me. That's a different kind of striving. Rest means, God, I have your salvation. I have your love. I have all these things. I am your child. I am loved. I am cared for. I am yours. And to rest. And then press into what God has for you. Not out of a need to say, oh God, if I don't do this, I, I have to perform. I have to, I have to do this or that in order for you to love me. No, we know He loves us. <coughs> but we want to press in and become everything. I want everything that God has for me. I do. Everything. Because Jesus is made available. That's not a greedy thing. Someone gave me an inheritance of a million dollars. I wouldn't just take a hundred out of the bank and say, oh well, I don't deserve the rest of this. You don't deserve an inheritance. It's given freely. And it's all available, not just a portion of it. And so when Jesus Christ has made all things available to us for us to grab hold of the things that he has, to believe him, to change our minds, and to to focus on what he says, because so much better is your way. So much better is God's way. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, to just speak a blessing over us, a blessing of hearts that long for what you have made available. I pray just what the Apostle Paul did, that the eyes of your mind might be open so that you may know the greatness of the power of God, that you may know and understand all that God has made available to you, that you would understand the riches of his glory, that you would rise up and grab hold of the promises of God and believe God over every circumstance, believe God over your feelings, believe what God says and trust in him and step out in the fullness of what he has available because he is your life. God, I just speak your blessing upon us as hearts that would be just on fire for you, hearts that would pursue you and long for you and desire to have everything that you have. But Lord, even more than that, that we would just want to glorify you 
I remember what Jesus said. I've glorified you by the works that I've done. May our lives glorify you. May our heart after you glorify you. May our receiving all that you have glorify your name. Thank you, God. So what we want to do is I want to make prayer available for whatever. See, healing's not just physical. Healing is not just healing of our body. Some of us need healing in our minds. Some of us need healing in our emotions. Some of us need healing in our bodies. Some of us need to be touched by the power of God so that His will can be accomplished in our lives. And you know, the interesting thing is that when you look at people, they pressed into Jesus. They said, if I can just go to him, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get to him, if he'll just listen to me, if he'll just come to me, I know I'll be healed. And believe. And you know what? Jesus said every time. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. A sick person getting saved, you know what salvation is for a sick person? Getting healed. Because that word salvation isn't just getting, you know, we, we always say it. Oh, he's saved. That just means that he accepted Christ and he's following Christ. But there's more to salvation. He heals the brokenhearted, that's salvation. He heals a mind, that's salvation. He takes a guy tormented by demons that can't even be in his right mind, that's tormented night and day, cutting himself with stones, living in the tombs. He touches him. And when the people come, they see him clothed and in his right mind. Jesus heals. He heals. Thank you, Jesus. So if anyone wants prayer, they can come, and then we'll just believe. God wants to heal. God wants to restore. God wants to release. God wants to break off bondages. God wants to set the captives free. God wants to say, come out. So let's just let him do it. Let's believe. Let's repent and believe. Let's receive the greater things that the Lord has for us. In Jesus' name. So let's see. So Fred, Fred and Lena, you guys want to come up? And if you want prayer, please come.